Amazon Remarks is a new global AI event on machine learning, automation, robotics, and space. Remarks is inspired by the exclusive Mars conference. It will combine the latest forward-looking science with practical applications. Speakers include Amazon founder and CEO Jeff Bezos, Landing AI founder and CEO Andrew Ng, and more. Remarks will take place June the 4th to the 7th in Las Vegas. Register today and get $400 off the ticket price. Go to remars.amazon.com and register using the promo code DATASCIENCE. That's R-E-M-A-R-S dot Amazon dot com, promo code DATASCIENCE. Thanks for tuning in. This is Data Science at Home, the podcast that makes machine learning easy for everyone. All right. Sorry, I was too excited today. Are you ready to do data science? Well, then sit tight, because in this episode, we will speak about the physics of optimization algorithms. This is Data Science at Home, the podcast that makes machine learning and artificial intelligence easy for everyone. Here's your host, Francesco Garaletta. Now, in a previous episode, we mentioned that one reason for the several successes of deep learning methods in the last decade has certainly been due to the research effort for novel optimization algorithms. And in fact, in the last decade, there has been an amazing effort into optimization algorithms. We have seen several popular techniques like the Atom Optimizer that offer various advantages. We've been speaking about this in several posts on amethics.com so feel free to go back to these posts and uh, get all the uh, nitty-gritty of uh, of these optimizers that really work the reason why these things is used every day for several domains at least with deep learning now among several advantages of these new methods new techniques there is definitely computational efficiency but also low memory requirements and faster rate of convergence to the optimum and these are just a few of the advantages that i have from the top of my head now this makes reliable neural networks possible even in scenarios where there are multiple layers and we have seen that that of course multiple layers lead to more powerful deep learning models but also to another number of issues for example the vanishing gradient problems the exploding gradient problems all problems that come up when you start increasing number of layers because you want a more accurate model and of course you have to pay the price of uh, having a more complex model that can land into overfitting and all the other issues that we know now there is a very recent paper uh, titled the physical systems behind optimization algorithms in which the authors emphasize some connections between, and listen to this, gradient descent-based optimizers and the dynamics of damped harmonic oscillators. You heard it, that's physics. This paper, which I will report in the show notes of this episode, it basically gives us an amazing contribution because we now have a much better theory for optimization algorithm. And so, I will try to explain in simplistic terms here, as always, because, you know, it's not difficult to follow, but usually when these things are written on a whiteboard, it's much easier to to grasp them. But let me try, so stay with me. Now, in physics, the simple harmonic oscillator is a mechanical system that consists of a particle of mass m connected to a fixed point by means of a spring. So the system always tends to stay at the equilibrium position, right? Which is 
what physicists call the zero potential energy position. Now, whenever the spring is stretched or compressed, there will be a force acting on the object that will tend to bring the mass towards the resting position again. And so the dynamics of this system is, you know, it's described by a law that we hopefully learned a long time ago at school, which is Newton's second law of motion that basically states that F equal mass times acceleration. So in this case, Newton said that force F is the elastic or restoring force given by the displacement of the object relative to the equilibrium, which we call X, and a constant K, which depends on the spring elasticity. And so that's pretty much specific to, to a spring, right? Uh, that's called Hooke's constant. And so the Newton's second law of motion applied to the spring and to the mass it's basically F equal negative K times X. That indeed indicates, hey, I want to act against the displacement of the object. It's opposite to this to displacement and depends on a constant K that pretty much describes that specific spring with one number. Now, Newton's law can also be rewritten as a differential equation. And those who are not really familiar with the concept of, of differential equation can read a previous post on, on amatix.com slash blog, but also listen to the previous episode in which we uh, mentioned and actually explained neural networks with infinite layers, where differential equations are not only briefly summarized, but there is also um, a very interesting idea of how to connect the concept of differential equations to neural network. That's another amazing episode you should listen to. Anyway, let's go back to the differential equation. So how can we look at Newton's second law of motion as a differential equation? Well, we can say that the mass times the second derivative of the displacement plus k times the displacement is equal to zero. I know that's that's quite weird, but what in fact what we are saying is that the second derivative of the displacement is called acceleration, right? It's the, der the second derivative of x with respect to time. And uh, we also have the same component, which is k times x, right? And that's what we said is the elastic or restoring force given by the Newton law. So, in fact, you can rewrite this second law of motion as a differential equation. That's fine. If we compress the spring and releasing it at point x0, the system will start oscillating. And that's, uh, you know, that's not magic. That, that's physics, right? Take a spring, attach a mass at the at the tip of the spring, and start moving it. Start pulling the spring and or compressing the spring. You will see something happening, which is called oscillations. Now, the solution of the above differential equation gives the position of the particle over time, and that's the power of differential equation that they give you measures at each point in time so that you can predict the future, so to speak, because you can just let the differential equations go or the system of differential equations go in time and see what would the measures be, whatever they are, at a certain time step. This is exactly you know, the reason why we want to use differential equations, because we want to have measures in time. And so this solution of, the, of this differential equation gives us the position of the particle over time. This will also give us an oscillating frequency that pretty much depends on the constant, that the k, the Hooke's constant, that is the spring's elasticity, 
but also depends on the mass. Of course, if you have a bigger mass or a smaller mass, well, that will make the oscillating frequency change. If I'm not wrong, a small mass would allow the oscillating frequency to increase, while a large mass will bring the oscillating frequency down. Now, in this system, there are two forms of energy. Stay with me because we are getting close to neural networks. I know that you are asking yourself, why the hell is this related to neural networks? But stay with me because it's going to be awesome. <laughs> now, back to the two forms of energy. The first is the elastic potential energy and the kinetic energy, which depends pretty much on the velocity of the object. Well, the first, the elastic potential energy, depends on the displacement and the springs constant. Okay? Well, the kinetic energy depends on the mass and the, the, the velocity, which is the first derivative of the displacement. I know that it's difficult to follow, but in the show notes you will find these amazing formulas <laughs> all written there and everything will be extremely clear. Just bear in mind that there are two forms of energy, elastic potential energy and the kinetic energy. Now, it is very well known that due to the law of energy conservation, this system continues to oscillate indefinitely. In fact, the initial potential energy is converted to kinetic energy, which in turn is converted back to potential energy, and so on. So this is exactly like you know what happens in a roller coaster, but it's also what happens in a physical system in the lab. Because in the real world, this never happens. In the real world, you have something that is called friction or frictional force that prevents you from doing that. You cannot create energy indefinitely. We know that. You can optimize that. But, in fact, you will have a so-called damped harmonic oscillator, which means that that frictional force between the mass and the table, whatever the mass is, 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 uh, is uh, in contact with, will lower, will, will lower that potential energy, will, will let the system you know, go to zero, will let the overall energy of the system go to zero. And so, unlike the simple harmonic oscillator, such a system would reach an equilibrium where the particle eventually stops with zero potential energy because there is dissipation of the kinetic energy caused by the friction. Now, such a dynamic is described by another differential equation that resembles pretty much the first one, except that now there is an additional component, which is C times the first derivative of X, which where C is the viscous damping coefficient and the first derivative of X is still the velocity. So, in fact, there is a, a force that pretty much depends on the velocity and the so-called uh, viscous damping coefficient, which is a coefficient that characterizes, for example, uh, you know, the materials of the table and the mass, they will have their own viscous damping coefficients. So what you know, material engineers try to do all the time is to create or find new materials where this C, the viscous damping coefficient, is pretty small so that they can have very efficient uh, systems that do not dissipate a lot of energy. The behavior of the system is determined by another factor, which is the damping ratio a value that pretty much depends on the viscous damping coefficient and other factors, pretty much the, the mass and uh, the Hooke's constant, the coefficient of the spring. What you have to know is that depending on the value of this damping ratio, you will have different types of system. And in fact, you can have four different types of system. 
one that is, for example, overdamped when this damping ratio is greater than one. It can be critically damped when the damping ratio is exactly equal to one. It can be underdamped when the damping ratio is less than one. And it can be extremely overdamped when the damping ratio is much greater than one. So what does an overdamped system mean? Well, it's a system that returns to steady state without oscillating, which is quite weird to see it on planet, but okay, it can happen. We can also have a critically damped system that returns to steady state without oscillating, and there may be transitory periods when it seems to move away from the equilibrium. That's a phenomenon which is called overshooting. Then we have the underdamped system, which oscillate with a slightly different frequency than the underdamped case, with amplitude gradually decreasing to zero. And finally, we have the extremely overdamped system. This decay does not depend on the particle mass. The system behaves as though the particle had no mass at all. <laughs> also quite weird. Now, let's go back to neural networks. I know that has been, what, 15 minutes we are talking about physics and we're talking about differential equations. I'm sorry about that. This is the time where you're going to be amazed because let's talk about optimization for neural networks. As a matter of fact, there is an interesting connection between the damped harmonic oscillator and, listen to this, gradient-based optimization algorithms. In fact, one can interpret the problem of optimization as a system in which a particle is falling inside a given potential. Still does make sense? All right. So one can think of it as a ball bouncing in a landscape with hills and valleys. Now, when it starts bouncing, the ball has a high potential energy. Then this energy gets converted into kinetic energy. And in the long term, the ball will, you know, eventually settle in a low elevation area and will have a small potential energy, which will be zero, for example, at the ground level or the sea level. Okay? This is what happens, you know, in the real world. Now, the solution to the optimization problem corresponds to the point of zero energy attained when the particle is standing still. In fact, when we are solving a, an, a, an optimization problem with neural networks, we're finding the minimum, right? We're finding the minimum of the loss function. Now, imagine that ball that goes around this extremely complicated landscape with a lot of valleys, a lot of highs, and we are trying to set the ball at the lowest point, right? That's what an optimization algorithm does. That's what gradient descent does. It keeps descending. So in order to show the connection between damped harmonic oscillators and optimization algorithms, there is a very nice example of the gradient descent iteration step, which I will report in the show notes because it's going to be extremely difficult for me to explain on the podcast. But believe me, it's something that everyone can understand. Actually, not really. I don't want to lie on this. It's a bit, you know, it's not difficult, but if you are slightly familiar with differential equations, it's going to be a piece of cake. So I'm going to summarize this briefly here. So if you look at this iteration, it, you know, the iteration is calculated from the current one following the direction of the negative gradient. And so if, if you're familiar with, for example, stochastic gradient descent, this is nothing new, right? It's exactly that. And so if you plug this equation in the previous one, the differential equation of the Newton's second law of motion, you will see another differential equation that will look familiar. 
because it is just the damped oscillator system that I've been explaining so far. Now, this reasoning can be extended to other variants of gradient descent algorithms. For example, the Adam method that I mentioned before at the beginning of the episode. In this new perspective, the various gradient descent optimization methods correspond to damped oscillators with different particle masses and damping coefficients, characterized by different dissipation mechanisms of their mechanical energy. So, what does this mean is that, well, you can look at a neural network as a bunch of springs and masses that start oscillating at different frequencies and they have, you know, different Hooke's constants, so every spring has its own characteristics. And in fact, you can look at, you know, at this massive neural network as a million springs oscillating and doing something. Doing what? Well, in fact, the decay rate of the mechanical energy is directly connected to the convergence rate of the related optimization algorithm. Doesn't sound cool? This means that there is physics in deep learning. So let's try to understand the implications of explaining optimization algorithms in terms of physical systems. One advantage is that by taking inspiration from other systems beyond the damped harmonic oscillator, one may come up with way more powerful optimization techniques and even novel cost functions and regularization schemes. In addition to this, if one were able to explain, for example, human intelligence from a physical point of view, transferring such a knowledge into new machine learning models would be straightforward. And I'm not saying that it would be extremely easy, but finding this connection would definitely open new horizons. As an example, let's take the quantum mind or quantum consciousness group of hypotheses. I know this is extremely difficult to understand at this point in time, but what this theory states is basically that quantum mechanical phenomena, such as quantum entanglement and superposition, may play an important role in the cognitive functions of the brain. In addition to this, this theory could contribute to form the basis for one possible explanation of consciousness. If such a group of hypotheses were correct, it would be possible to use their equations as the basis for new quantum machine learning models. And this outcome would allow scientists to build machines that are way more intelligent than the ones we are used today. In fact, such hypothetical machines would be equipped with the same intelligence mechanisms that characterize humans. And this would finally pave the way to the more and more hyped artificial general intelligence or AGI. I hope you enjoyed the show. Talk to you next time. This episode is supported by Amethyx Technologies, a data analytics company that uses AI and advanced machine learning to create products that transform the way organizations and people use their data. How? They support humans at their most important tasks and business by designing and building data analytics engines. If you're a creative data scientist and you want to make an impact in machine learning projects, don't be shy. Drop them a line at amethyx.com careers. This was Data Science at Home, the podcast that makes machine learning and artificial intelligence easy for everyone. If you like the show, don't forget to write a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podbean. You can also find us on datascienceathome.com, where you can subscribe to our newsletter and get the latest updates. Thanks for listening.